Hello and welcome to another edition of Todd Talks Bible. This engaging discipleship-based Bible study is sponsored by Church Discipleship Ministries. And our teacher is Todd Tolles, the founder and director of CDM. A career firefighter captain before entering the ministry, Todd founded Church Discipleship Ministries to equip and empower believers to fulfill your calling to be a spiritual warrior dedicated to fulfilling the Great Commission. Let's listen in now as Todd Talks Bible. Hi, brothers and sisters. My name is Todd Tolles, and I'm the director of Church Discipleship Ministries. And I want to welcome you to our discipleship program, Todd Talks Bible. And I've got great news for you. We are now broadcasting on several podcast platforms. That's right. So if you get tired of looking at my ugly mug on these videos, or if you're driving back and forth to work and want to keep up with these uh, videos and this material, or maybe you're on a long vacation, you don't want to miss a session, you'll be able to follow along with all this material exactly the way I present it on these videos, but you'll be able to listen to it on several podcast platforms, ranging from Apple to Spotify. We're going to place it on several platforms. And what I'll do is I'll put a link of all these different platforms that we're broadcasting this material on below in the description of this video and all the subsequent videos. That way you can uh, choose your favorite podcast platform and listen in and make sure you don't miss a session of this important study. Now, listen, do me a favor, though. If you are choosing just to listen in on these podcasts, which is great, I encourage you to do it, but please just take a moment of your day sometime and go to YouTube and subscribe to this channel. Now, you may have to get a YouTube account, but it's free. Everything I'm asking you to do is free. It doesn't cost you a thing. But if you will subscribe to our channel and hit the like on the videos that you've watched or the lessons you've listened to on these uh, podcasts, you will go a long way to help us be able to support this ministry and keep it continuing. So please do that, as well as pray for what's going on, because we want to get this material out to as many Christians as possible. So let's get started with today's session. As you know, we're studying the book of Revelation, and we're fixing to go into chapters 2 and 3 and study Christ's message to the seven Asian churches. But like I said last week, the only way we can fully understand what Christ is telling the churches then and today is to fully understand the context of the spiritual war. There really is a spiritual war, and yes, Satan has not retired. He's very active in it. And last session, we looked at the main focus of the spiritual war, which is the gospel. We explained what the gospel is, how it's God's plan of salvation for all of humanity. We also explained what the biblical components are, the true components are within the gospel. In other words, that it is not based on works. You can't work your way to heaven. The only way to get saved is by placing your faith and trust in Christ Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There is only one way to heaven, and that's through Christ Jesus. And so everything that Satan has been doing in the spiritual war has been trying to impede the progress of the gospel. That's why the focus of both sides, God and Satan, the Christians and the demons, all the people in the spiritual war, their focus is either to try and push forward the gospel of Christ or Satan and his minions are trying to impede the progress of the gospel of Christ. And that is the focus of the spiritual war. Now, today, 
we're going to look at Satan's tactics in the spiritual war. Satan's tactics in the spiritual war. But before we actually start looking at the tactics, I want us to look at Satan himself. Let's look at his character. In John chapter 8, verse 44, we read this. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he says to them a very strong message because they are uh, being used by tools of Satan and trying to impede Christ's message. So he says this to them in John 8, 44, For you are the children of your father the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning and has always hated the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So Jesus there is clearly stating the character of Satan. From the very beginning, he went bad. He is a murderer. He is a liar. He is the father of all lies. Everything he does is built on deception and trying to murder what God is accomplishing in this creation. Now, that brings us to Satan's strategy. We've seen his character. Let's look at his strategy. Now, the strategy is his overall plan. It's the big picture of how Satan tries to do things throughout humanity. And Satan's strategy is based on three elements. Listen to John 10, verse 10. Jesus is talking, and he uses the analogy of a thief to describe Satan's strategy. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose, Jesus says, is to give life in all its purpose, in all its fullness. So we see that the thief or Satan's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his overall strategy. Everything he does to impede the gospel will either be trying to steal away the message of the gospel, will either be trying to kill off uh, the message of the gospel, or maybe even try to kill off the people who are spreading the gospel, as you'll see in some subsequent verses we look at, and also to destroy, to destroy everything he can about God's creation, but especially the truth of the gospel. Now, that's Satan's strategy. Now I want to look at Satan's tactics. You see, he has his overall strategy of trying to steal, kill, and destroy, but he reacts different in every situation and with different people. He uses different tactics, just like we all do. So he has several different tactics he's used throughout the Bible. Now, I don't have time to read all of them, but I am going to go over 30 verses fairly quickly so that you can see the different tactics he uses. Now, wait a minute, you're saying, Todd, you're making a mistake here. It's not Satan always doing everything. Man is in evil in their hearts, and mankind is doing most of the evil. Well, wait a minute now. Let's not go too far one way or the other. You're right. Mankind, all of us, have been born with a sinful nature. And that sinful nature is definitely uh, spreading havoc throughout our society. Our sinful hearts, our hardened hearts, run away from God, and we dive wholeheartedly into our sins and rebellion against Him. And that sin does spread misery throughout human history. But that's not the only component of the evil in the world today. Satan is very active, and his activities, plus the hard-heartedness of the unbelieving world, those two factors is what really it defines the amount of evil we have in the world today. So I'm going to look at several 
several passages in the Bible, and you're going to see that, yes, Satan really is active. And we as Christians shouldn't be foolish and think that Satan has taken a retirement because he hasn't. Now, I'm going to read these verses fairly fast because we have a lot of material to cover in a very short time to do so. But if you miss some verses, don't worry. I will list every reference in the description at the bottom of this video so you can follow along at a later time and look them up in your Bible. But for now, just listen and try and follow along as fast as you can as we go through these verses quickly to see all the different tactics Satan uses. First of all, in Genesis chapter 3, we see Satan come on the scene for the first time. And we talked about this last week, and so we're not going to talk about it a lot today. But Satan came in in the form of a serpent, and he tempted Adam and Eve and the ate of the fruit. And this is the message that he told them. This is the real temptation that he gave them. It says in Genesis 3, verses 1 through 5, it says this, Now the serpent was the shrewdest of all the creatures the Lord God had made. Really, he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat of the fruit in the garden? You won't die, the serpent hissed. God knows that your eyes will be open when you eat it. You will become just like God, knowing everything, both good and evil. So you see, Satan is trying to tempt us and did in the garden. He said, look, if you eat and of this fruit, of the knowledge of good and evil, you will become like God. And that's the temptation he has used throughout history to get humans to believe that we can evolve into a state of deity, that we can all become God. And he tempts us with that. It's a philosophy called humanism, that humans will eventually evolve to a better and better state until we become perfect beings, godlike. And that is the basis of all the temptations he has done throughout history. And that's just not true, but that's the one he started with. Now, let's go on. You're going to see more and more different attributes or different characteristic traits or tactics that Satan has used. In 1 Chronicles 21, verse 1, we see that Satan rose up against Israel and caused David to take an unlawful census of the people. There were certain rules that God said, if you're going to take a census that you had to do. But David did it illegally, broke the law that God wanted to be followed, and he did a census that God did not bless. It caused a lot of trouble for the nation of Israel because of that. And it says in 1 Chronicles 21.1 that Satan rose up against Israel and caused David to do this. In Job chapter 1, verse 6, we read this. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan the accuser came with them. And you know the story. That's when Satan and God had their dialogue, and Satan was given permission to test Job and his faithfulness. But the point is that Satan comes as the accuser. He is always trying to accuse the righteous people, the believers of God, the followers of Jesus. In Zechariah chapter 3, we see that Satan is accusing the high priest, Joshua. Okay, in Zechariah 3, verse 1 through 2, it says that Satan was there at the angel's right hand accusing Joshua of many things. And the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusation, Satan. So there he was trying to accuse this high priest named Joshua uh, uh, in front of the Lord and say, this man is unworthy. But God rejected Satan's accusations. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, we see that 
Jesus was actually tempted by Satan. So Satan, and you know the story, Satan came and tempted Jesus with several different temptations to try and keep him from going to the cross. Again, Satan's goal is to, to impede the gospel plan, the plan of salvation. And he figured if he could get Jesus to not go to the cross, then he would have a victory. So he tempted even Jesus. Matthew 13, 39, Jesus gives us a parable and says that there was a farmer who planted a field, but his enemy came and planted weeds in that field of wheat. And so it was all entangled up with the good wheat. And his workers were saying, well, should we take the weeds out now? And the farmer said, no, we'll wait until harvest time to do it. And Jesus said that the enemy represents the devil and that he cast weeds or false believers into the church and that it will not be sorted out until judgment day. Luke 8 verse 12 talks about another seed. The seed that fell on the hard path represents those who hear the message. You remember the story of the four soils. There was a hard path. There was a uh, rocky uh, part of the field. There was a path, a uh, part of the field that had a bunch of thistles in it. And then there was finally really good soil. And those four soils produced different types of fruit. Well, in this metaphor, in verse 12, in this parable, Jesus says this, the seed that fell on the hard path represents those who hear the message, but then the devil comes and steals it away. So you see, people who hear the gospel, Satan is trying to do everything he can to steal away that seed of truth so that it will not bear fruit in that person's heart. Luke 13, verse 16, talks about a woman who was sick and ill for 18 years, and Jesus says that she was in bondage with Satan that Satan held her in bondage with this disease for 18 years. So he is able to do that, hold us in spiritual bondage or physical bondage. And until we repent and go to Christ and seek his spiritual healing or even physical healing from Christ, he can still hold us in bondage. Luke 22, verse 3, Satan entered Judas Iscariot, who was one of the 12 disciples. So there we see that possession is real. Demonic possession is real. And in this verse, Luke 22, verse 3, it says that Satan himself possessed Judas Iscariot to go and betray Jesus. Luke 22, 31, Jesus is talking to Peter and he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to have all of you to sit you like wheat. So we see, just like in Job, that Satan also seeks to attack all the righteous people. He went after Peter and went at, tried to sift him like wheat. And sometimes he will attack us and try and defeat us and make our lives a total wreck. And it's only through keeping our eyes on Jesus that we can endure these attacks and keep going. But don't ever forget and don't ever think that Satan has retired. He's still out there and he's still coming to get you. You have to trust Christ and walk in faith day by day by day. Because if you are trying to serve God and spread the gospel, I guarantee the enemy is going to come after you and try to stop you. Acts 5 verse 3, we see that Satan actually tempted a couple to lie uh, to the Holy Spirit, to lie about what the Holy Spirit led them to give to the church. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? So Satan is able to do that, is oppress a believer and 
fill his heart with evil and get him to do things that are against the church. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 5, Paul talks about the marriage relationship and the physical relationship of sex between a husband and a wife. And he says, look, you should never deny each other your bodies. You should have a healthy sexual relationship. But at times, if you do uh, stay apart, maybe uh, someone's traveling for a while for a business trip or or you're setting apart some time uh, uh, for prayer and fasting, he says, just don't make sure it's too long, but come back together. Listen to what he says. Afterward, they, the husband and wife, should come back together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt them because of their lack of self-control. So Satan is tempting, even within the marriages today. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11, Paul writes about how they have to keep on guard. And he says, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are very familiar with his evil schemes. So Satan is thinking constantly. He's three or four moves ahead of us. He is constantly scheming, and it's only through faith in Christ and discernment that we get from the Scriptures that we can spot his evil plans and avoid falling into his traps. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, we learn that Satan is called the God of this evil world and has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Boy, we're seeing that today, aren't we? How Satan has blinded the minds of so many unbelievers in America, how they can't seem to see the truth, even if it's staring at them in their face. They, they think right is wrong. They think up is down and down is up. Everything they're thinking is backwards and perverted and messed up. And that is because they are blinded in their minds by Satan. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3 says again, Paul is relating what happened in the garden. He says, Adam and Eve were deceived by the serpent. So Satan, the deceiver, the great liar. Second Corinthians 11 verse 14, Paul writes this, but I am not surprised even Satan can disguise himself as an angel of light. We've all seen people that look very slick, very handsome, very wealthy, just perfect people. And they may be in charge of a church even and spouting all types of lies and false theology. And people fall for it because they look so good. They're an angel of light. Who could believe this person would is actually dispensing wrong theology? They look so good. Everything is going good in their life. They're prospering. They're rich. They're successful. What they say has to be true. But Paul says, look, false teachers do that all the time. And he's not surprised by it because even Satan presents himself as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, we learn that Satan actually sent a messenger or a thorn in the flesh to Paul. Paul writes, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. So Satan will do everything he can to impede the gospel, even trying to torment those who are bearing the message out to the lost. In Ephesians 2, verse 2, I'm going to read this whole verse. Listen to this. Paul writes, You used to live just like the rest of the world, full of sin, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So Satan is the prince of the power of the air, and it's his spirit in the work, in the hearts of those who are in rebellion against God. 
And boy, we're seeing that today in our society too, aren't we? All the hate in people's hearts, all the, the hate and anger and wrath that they are showing when they burn down businesses and, and attack innocent people and pull them out of their cars and threaten their lives and all the deaths that have been occurring in these riots and the shootings. This is all because their hearts are filled with the evil straight from Satan. And he is the prince of the power of the air. And he's leading them around uh, by a ring in their nose almost. And just filling them with all types of hatred. And that is why there's so much evil being expressed today in our society. In Ephesians 4, 27, it says, Watch out, don't be angry, for anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 18, talks about how Paul and his missionary buddies wanted to go visit the church at Thessalonica, but they were with prevented by Satan. Listen, it says, We wanted very much to come, and I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. So he is able to impede the work of missionaries and try and stop the flow of the gospel. Let's look at uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. Now, this is a little bit of prophetic uh, emphasis here. Paul is writing to the church, and he's talking about what happens in the end times, and he talks about a person that we commonly call the Antichrist today. And this is what he says. This evil man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. So again, you can see the deception, the deceit, the lies involved that Satan will even use a person to try and accomplish his end in the end times. 1 Timothy 3, verse 6, an elder must not be a new Christian or a pastor must not be a new Christian because he might be proud of being chosen so soon. And it says that the devil will use that pride to make him fall. So we as pastors we have to watch out our pride and stay humble in the Lord so that the devil can't tempt us and try and lay a trap for us because of our pride and cause us to stumble and fall. James 3 verse 15 talks about how jealousy and selfishness are not God's wisdom, but all earthly and unspiritual motivations from the devil. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Peter writes, Be careful, watch out for attacks from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for some victim to devour. So you see, if you're a Christian who thinks Satan's just sitting around not doing anything, then you're ignoring what the Bible says. The Bible says here in the first epistle of Peter that he is clearly always looking around, searching for ways he can impede the gospel, searching for Christians that he can steal, kill, or destroy in their lives. So looking for people to devour. That's what Peter calls him, a roaring lion, seeking people to devour. So don't think Satan's not out there and that he's retired. He's alive and well on planet Earth, like the old book used to say. 1 John 3, verse 8. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. Again, it shows that very, from the very beginning, Satan went bad. He was created by God as an angel, and he went bad from the very beginning. He has free will. Angels have free will. We have free will. And Satan went bad from the beginning. Jude 1 verse 9, But even Michael, one of the mightiest angels, did not dare accuse Satan of blasphemy, but simply said, The Lord rebuke you. This took place when Michael was arguing with Satan about Moses' body. 
Now, we don't understand why exactly Satan wanted Moses' body. I don't know if he was going to try and bury it in a shrine and let that be uh, an idol that basically uh, led the nation of Israel astray. We don't know. But evidently, Michael the archangel and Satan got in a big argument about how to dispose of Moses' body. And I guarantee you it's because Satan was trying to do it in a way that would prevent God's plan of salvation and mess up God's plan with the nation of Israel. In Revelation 2, verse 10, we see this. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison and put you to the test. So we see that one of the tactics the devil uses, Satan will use persecution against Christians as a tactic to impede the progress of the gospel. In Revelation 12, verse 8 and 9, we read this, and also in verse 12. Let's listen to this passage. This is in Revelation 12. And this talks about Satan's activities in the end days, and not just against Christians, but also against the entire world. We read this. And the dragon lost the battle and was forced out of heaven. This dragon, this great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. Rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens rejoice. But terror will come on the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, and he knows that he is little time. So you see, when Satan is finally cast out of heaven, it's a time to rejoice. No more accusations from the enemy against God's people. But when he comes down, this chapter in Revelation is saying, look, he comes down with a vengeance to steal, kill, and destroy everything. Trying to destroy everything in God's creation. And he has such wrath and hatred, and everything gets so bad so quick because he knows he has very little time. So there are several verses that show just a sampling of Satan's tactics in the spiritual war. But I want to tell you something. I think in America, Satan has it a lot easier than we think because of the attitude that most American Christians have. Let me explain. There was a recent survey by Lifeway Research, and they examined how Christians view theology in the Bible. Listen to some of the data. It's shocking and very sad to me. Only 20% of Christians in America say they've read the entire Bible at least once. Man, think about that. 80% of believers in America have never read the Bible from beginning to end, not even once. Only 22% of American Christians say they've, they read through a section of the Bible a little each day. In other words, 78% of believers never try and have a daily quiet time with God. That's what I call it. It's a time where you pray and read a little section of the Bible to kind of get you pumped up spiritually for the day. It's where you commune with God and you uh, get in tune with Him so that you can uh, be effective as a servant throughout the day. And only 22% of Americans say they read through a section of the Bible each day. 33% of Christians in America never read the Bible. 33% of Christians in America never read the Bible. That is that's shocking. America has more Bibles and access to more Bibles than any nation in the history of the world put together. That's right. We have Bibles everywhere. 
And yet most Christians are not reading their Bibles, and most Christians have not even read the Bible all the way through once. Now, because of that, this caused us to have a lot of false teaching creep into the church. Listen to some of the false biblical opinions people have about the Bible, false teachings that have gotten into their minds because they don't know the Bible. 74% disagree with the biblical truth that every sin deserves eternal damnation. See, these are Christians that have not read the Bible, and they don't realize that every sin is worthy of our eternal damnation. They are thinking sins as an action, and this sin, this little action, like a little white lie, may not be as bad as this sin. They don't understand what sin is because they don't read the Bible. Sin is not just a list of do's and don'ts. Sin is a spiritual disease. Sin is in the hearts of every man and woman from the time they are born. It's a spiritual disease. It is a rebellion against God that's within our spiritual DNA ever since the fall. And yes, it may come out in symptoms of bad actions. And some people have different actions than others. This evil disease of sin may come out in one person as murder. It may come out with another person as gossip. It may come out with another person as lying. It may, these symptoms of the spiritual disease will show up in different people in different ways. But it all is fruit of the condition, the spiritual condition of sin. And so if Christians think one sin won't send you to hell, that's because they're thinking it's all based on works, and that's not true. In fact, that's the next part of this survey. 52% of Christians in America say good deeds help them earn a spot in heaven. 52%. Now, the Bible clearly says you can't be saved by work. It's only through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, like I said earlier. But there's 52% of believers out there in America who think, hey, it's kind of like a, a weighing yourself on scales. God takes your bad deeds and puts them on one side of the scales and your good deeds and puts them on the other. And whichever side is heavier determines your spiritual outcome. If you did more bad things than good, you go to hell. Or if you do more good things than bad, you get to go to heaven. Well, that is a total lie of Satan. That is not true. We are all unrighteous. We are all wicked and deserve hell. It's only through God's grace and by believing in Jesus for our personal salvation that we can even have salvation. So this false teaching has crept into the church because we don't read the Bible and because there's so, so many Christians out there talking about it in this way. The vast majority of people in the American society think that's how it works, that good deeds get you to heaven. That's why you see it in movies all the time. You know, a little kid will ask their parent, Mommy, is Daddy in heaven? Oh, yes, I think so. He was a good man. Goodness has nothing to do with it. It's whether or not you believe in Jesus. But this lie has crept into the church and is pervasive throughout our society because Christians don't know the Bible. 45% of people who claim to be Christian believe there are many ways to get to heaven. Jesus, again, in John 14, 6, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. 
But Christians who don't read the Bible don't know this. And so one of the reasons why our society is so messed up and has such a false understanding of the gospel is because Christians in America have been lazy and have not been studying the Bible and have been teaching heresy uh, and, and just being incompetent in explaining to their friends and their co-workers what the Bible truly says. They're incompetent because they don't know what it says because they're lazy and don't read it. And that's why I think our nation is in such bad shape today. And that's one of the reasons why I think so many people are not Christians in our nation now and are turning their backs and don't even fear God anymore. Now, if you're like me, you may be sad right now and almost to a point of despair, thinking that there's no hope for the church in America. We are so far gone. So many of us don't know the Bible. There's not enough time for us to get ready to make a difference in our society. Well, I, I don't believe that. I, I really think there's always hope. If Christians repent and seek God's face, he will restore us and make us stronger than we were before. But we have to seek his face and never lose sight of the fact that our victory is guaranteed. What do I mean by that? Well, I want to read one more passage in the Bible that talks about Satan. But it's not referring to his tactics. It's referring to how he loses the war. Now, this is in Revelation chapter 20, and I don't have time to read all the chapter, but I'll just read a few verses, uh, skipping around here and there. I'm going to start in verse 2. Revelation chapter 20, verse 2. He sees the dragon, that old serpent, the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked, so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. Afterward, he would be released again for a little while. Verse 7 says, when the thousand years end, Satan will be let out of his prison. Now, if you read this chapter, you'll find out that as soon as Satan is released after this thousand years, he goes out and tries to do it all over again, deceive the nations and rebel one more time against Jesus. But God just stops it all. Jesus just put us, nips it in the bud, like Barney Fife would say. Jesus just nips it in the bud. Verse 10, Then the devil who betrayed them was thrown into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. They will be there tormented day and night forever and ever. You see, Satan doesn't rule hell. No, hell was created for Satan and his angels. So there is not a kingdom of hell. It is nothing but a place of darkness and fire and despair and destruction and pain and anguish and separation from God. And that was created for Satan and all his angels that followed him. And that is unfortunately where anybody who does not believe in Jesus for their salvation is also cast. Satan won't rule. He'll be suffering along with everyone else that's cast into hell. So yes, Satan does lose and Christ is the victor. Ultimately, the spiritual war is already known. We will win. 
But we shouldn't use that as an excuse to sit on our pews and not do anything, especially as Christians in America. People are dying out there every day because they don't know the gospel, because we as Christians in America are too lazy to read our Bible and effectively lead them to Christ. People are out there lost and in darkness and think up is down and down is up because they don't hear the truth from Christians because Christians don't know the truth of Scripture to be able to tell them. People are filled with wrath and destroying and killing each other and destroying our way of life. Why? Because Christians haven't spread God's love for the last 20, 25 years. We've been too busy in our mega churches enjoying the show instead of being discipled and training to be an effective minister for God and to spread his gospel. And so we are losing the spiritual battles in America. But there is hope. If we, if we repent and we get back serious and learn how to be an effective servant for God, we can change our society, we can make an impact in our society, and we can start having victory in these spiritual war times in America. So I encourage you, stick with this study in the book of Revelation because we are going to get down into the nitty-gritty of what is going on in the church today as we study Revelation 2 and 3 uh, and learn about Christ's messages to the church through those seven Asian churches. So don't miss a word of it. You're going to want to hear it. So in the meantime, remember that there is a victory in Christ and put your faith and trust in Him and Him alone. For salvation. And until next time, keep your eyes to the sky and read your Bible. Thank you for listening to Todd Talks Bible, sponsored by Church Discipleship Ministries. For more information, please visit churchdiscipleshipministries.com or check today's show notes for the link. Our teachings are also available on YouTube. Simply search for Todd Talks Bible. I'm Brian Race, encouraging you to subscribe to this podcast so you'll never miss an episode. Also consider sharing this timely teaching with someone you believe needs to hear it. Until next time, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.